Welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast about bands and musicians across the world. My name is Keith Kelly, and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode, I sit down with musicians to talk about their stories and bands and how they're making an impact in their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at globalbandroom.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Global Bandroom. All of the Global Bandroom podcasts are brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures. Find out how you can travel beyond expectations at mykatrip.com. Now on with the show. So, Happy New Year and welcome back to the Global Band Room. Uh, we've been busy over the last number of weeks uh, at Midwest Band Clinic. Uh, fantastic to be able to go and see many people that listen to the show, many of the old guests that have been on the show as well. But we're ready for a brand new year and we're going to be speaking to band directors from across the world. Uh, and we're starting today in Canada and we're heading back to Calgary, but with a very different uh, outlook on on banding and music education in Calgary. So I'm delighted to welcome uh, Chris Herrard from uh, who is the uh, head of fine arts in Bishop Carroll High School, uh, and also from where I met him, which is an executive council member for the World Association of Marching Show Bands. Chris, welcome to the Global Band Room. How are you? Hey, Elliot. Happy New Year to you. Uh, it's it, um, great. To, it's great to be able to connect with you. You you weren't able to to make it to uh, Midwest Clinic this year. I know that yeah. was uh, that, yeah. that was probably hard not to be able to be there. First first one I've missed in a long time, and and uh, I just I mean that's such a, a wonderful way to connect with people and such incredible uh, uh, performances. And um, you know I remember just a few years ago we took our our, our school performed there at Midwest. And uh, that was such a, an important and, and milestone kind of uh, moment for, for all of us involved. So it was, it's just, it holds a very special place uh, in my heart for sure. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I think most people will say that the most important part of Midwest, and I go there for both uh, development reasons, but also for business from, for myself. Uh, but really what it's all about is that networking and uh, being able to connect with people uh, but you have actually managed to do pretty well over the course of the pandemic doing that. You you haven't you haven't gone into hibernation over the pandemic, <laughs> Chris. You've you've kept very, very busy. And I think that might be a really good place to start. First of all, tell me a little bit about sort of the pandemic and, and how it had affected your your school and, and, and banding generally in, in the Calgary region. Sure. Well, like like most of us uh, teaching band around the world. Um, at the beginning of COVID, everything was shut down, went virtual. And so there's a very steep learning curve in terms of moving online and to how, to, uh, how to teach band uh, online through, through the forums that we had. And um, that created you know, a, a huge need for, for a lot of my colleagues and myself. And so it was time to get kind of in the mud and start rolling around again and, and, and learning some new tools and, and getting some best practice um, but what I noticed, uh, the silver lining of this whole thing is the connections that we've been able to make um, because of the technology. And um, now, you know, we are much, much more able to to uh, bring people into our classrooms. We're much more able to share what we are doing in our classrooms. Um, a lot of opportunities to connect with other band directors, um, both local and, and internationally. And so uh, it's really fostered an incredible I think community, um, it's, it's brought us closer together in many ways. I'm, I'm sure when you were in Midwest, you were meeting people you'd only ever seen in 2D. And, uh, and there you are, you, you feel like you know them, you, 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 you recognize them immediately in 3D. And, uh, and you just, you just have these amazing connections now. So you know, Chris, I, I, I that's like definitely that. one of the biggest things that I did notice at Midwest. Was I, I wasn't sure whether those relationships that I had built online over the last two years, whether they would transfer to reality. And they really did. I mean, Zoom has been a far more effective um, uh, tool than I think I ever gave it credit for. Uh, people that I hadn't met uh, before, people that I hadn't seen in a long time, the connections just uh, we're, we're very real. Uh, and so you're absolutely right. I, I think that digital space has actually, um, and will continue to uh, give us a lot of benefit moving forward. Mm -hmm. And one of the things it really highlighted, I think, is the need for us to 
um, focus more on the people as much as we do on the music. And so one of my one of my great friends and mentors, Scott Rush, always talks about the people business and the music business and bring them together. And so I think the the COVID uh, pandemic has really helped us to focus on the people skills and the people um, and the relationship and the the um, um, I guess you you know your investment in um, all of those people type of skills so that when we were able again to make music um, we could capitalize on those relationships that we had developed over Zoom to make even better music than we did before and so um, that's what I've really noticed in our part of the world um, our our band directors who teach here are much more united um, in fact I started a, a group called Band Directors United uh, at the beginning of um, this and it, and it really became like a support center for um, many band directors to come together and work out some of their problems to share tools to share tips to share work that they've done and it made just the load a little lighter for everyone and um, and it continues to be really a, a fantastic resource today and I'm sure it'll continue for for many many more years so um, that was one of the you know the the silver linings of the pandemic was being able to reconnect with our colleagues and also to connect with students and and that's uh, you know a number of the other things that I got involved with was was working on that servant leadership and that leadership sort of side with with students and training students in those skills which you can do quite effectively uh, over Zoom if you need to so obviously it's it's better in person but um, I I've really found great success with that um, as well so. It, it, you know, there's as much as uh, the challenge of music making was very real and, and we were dormant for a good, better part of a full year. Um, one thing I, I really noticed was all my colleagues are just, were so resilient and, uh, and dedicated to, to this um, art form and this craft and, and to the, the students that we serve. Um, that I, I, th- I think everyone just dug in and worked that much harder. And because of that, I think we're all stronger now. Um, and hopefully we'll continue to be um, as we move forward. So, yeah. You know, we're a community um, of of people that are always be under-resourced anyway. <laughs> and so I think maybe that that, str- that came out as a strength for us during this, just during this pandemic, where we were used to finding ways around <laughs> problems like this, maybe. And, yeah. and it seems like you and your colleagues... Um, have have found some ways tell me a little bit more about the band band directors united yeah well it started actually you know pre-pandemic it started as uh, i heard a lot of my colleagues kind of complaining at our our local convention there was very little if any sessions that were directed towards band um, and instrumental music teaching and and so you know i i felt like well if it's not there let's make it and so i i created a session for um, music teachers here in Calgary to come to at our local convention. Um, and now we're into this, I think, the sixth year of, of that session. It's a, it's a full-day session at a convention with, uh, you know, 150 uh, band teachers in the room. And it just became a, a real fantastic uh, thing to look forward to during our teachers' convention that we could really focus on the topics and the things that matter to band teachers. And, and when the pandemic hit... Um, you know, that convention went online. And I, I thought, well, that really, we don't have to wait for a convention in order to meet. So why not start meeting more often? And throughout the pandemic, we met um, pretty much weekly. Um, and we would talk uh, about different things. We'd check in with one another. We'd bring in um, some guests to talk to us. We'd, we'd just work through some topics. People would share what they're doing. It would really be uh, an opportunity for us to... Um, kind of inspire one another and just rely and lean on one another a little bit. And it and became a bit of a, you know, for lack of a better word, a support group for, for our band directors. And we had band directors from all over the world joining us. It was pretty, pretty fascinating to hear what was happening in other places. I, and, I think uh, our colleagues in the US sometimes um, underestimate um, the power of that because they do have these MEA conventions and, and Midwest. and But, but I, I certainly feel... How, how you feel, you know, we have plenty of band directors around here in Ireland and the UK is the same. And many of them, music education may not even be their full-time job. Um, and they have that, they, there's there's no development, but even more important, there's no opportunity to really 
just share experiences with each other. I, I often find that the the benefit of going to Midwest is of, often just finding that other people are having the same problems as me. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, not absolutely. even that I'm hearing solutions that I've never heard before. Just knowing that, yes, you know, clarinets um, have 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 poor tuning at grade two level. <laughs> like, you know, just it's, yes, I, I I have also experienced this. You know? Absolutely, and that's and, and that's one of the other things that you know what's what's so great about our our world is that it, it, it is truly international and um, we do go to those, I go to those same conventions that you do and we see how um, centric they are in America with, with things. And they certainly have many amazing things going there. Um, but there's some really amazing things going other places too. And that's one of the things I love about being involved with the international groups that I'm involved with because we get to meet as well. Um, Wamsby, um, you mentioned the world association of marching show bands. We also started meeting more often during the pandemic and getting reports from, uh, we have 27 uh, nations in, in, our, under, in our affiliates um, now um, from around the world and hearing what their situation was uh, during the pandemic and hearing um, actually the kind of the, the dichotomy of things because in North America, we were far ahead of, of uh, places more in Asia and things in terms of uh, the uh, vaccine. Um, and getting it out to people and, and kind of where schools were at and coming back to school and be able to make music. So it became a real fantastic um, way to kind of reach out to those places as well and, and, and give us context. And tell tell me, Chris, for anyone that doesn't know about Walmsby, and we've spoken to quite a few Walmsby. We've had Jimmy Wong uh, on the on the podcast previously. We've had Ryan Hancock uh, from from Calgary, like yourself. Uh, but if anyone's just listening to the podcast for the first time and they haven't heard of the World Association of Marching Show Bands, tell tell me a little bit about what the association is and what its goals are. Well, it was formed about thirty years ago, and it really its goal is to just celebrate and promote. Um, music and marching band, uh, predominantly show band, marching band activity around the world. And, um, you know, it was, it was a brainchild of a, another local Calgarian, one of my great friends and mentors, Robert Eklund. And he, he really um, enjoyed uh, taking his groups from here in Calgary to other places around the world. And I got to benefit from that as being a member of one of his bands uh, growing up. And uh, that association kind of developed out of the goal of creating a an event it started more as a creating an event to uh, bring multinational bands together and we you know a world championship event and it was so incredibly successful that this really has has um, you know worked itself into a, a very well, like I said twenty seven multinational um, nations uh, working together putting on many events throughout the year. Um, now virtual events that are happening as well as in-person events, depending on where they are. And every year the organization holds, hosts a world championship in some country. So this summer uh, we are in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, next summer we're at Buckhammon, um, West Virginia in the United States. Um, the following summer we're in Rastid, Germany. Um, and we've, we've literally had um, world championships for 30 years all around the world. Every year it's a different place. It gives uh, bands the opportunity to travel and to meet other bands. Um, and what's great about Wamsby, maybe a little bit different from some of the other organizations that I've also been lucky enough to work with, um, is that Wamsby is really kind of an all-encompassing. Uh, we accept bands of every sort of size, type, and ability um, at, at different events. And the World Championship celebrates the best of those bands. So. Um, Bands will compete in a in a regional competition and then work their way um, into an invitation to the world competition to represent their nation. Um, but I've, as a judge for Wamsby, I've judged all oh, bands that are full of you know melodicas and and gamelons and drumming and fifes and 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 you have the fanfarenzugs from Germany and you have uh, the show bands from from you know Europe and North America and uh, drum corps and just literally every style and type of of ensemble um we see in Wamsby and it's so it's it's a wide open uh thing and it's really fantastic because these groups really get to see a wide breadth of 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 how music is happening around the world um not just in their sort of area you know i've judged many local competitions in in the united states and canada and and um and you get that great sense of community as well with all the, the groups that are close by or of course, you have the BOAs of the world or the DCIs of the world, which I, I love um, those things too. 
Um, but the World Association, there's nothing like it to bring groups um, from around the entire world. Uh, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what shape or size you are, um, what type of music you play, all these sorts of things. It's, it's really an education when you get to watch these people. Um, and then there's, of course, the festival atmosphere of a, of a big world competition that brings everyone together and makes a lot of new relationships and connects a lot of people from around the world. Uh, many students are still connected to those people they've met at those competitions. So it's, it's a pretty special thing uh, to do for people. And uh, it's something we're really proud of. And we got to see some of the benefits of that in, in Ireland just pre-pandemic in 2019. And and you're right, we got to see uh, a grade one marching band. Uh, some of them were just just after moving on to their instruments and, and they got to uh, to to have feedback from judges. Uh, Keith Bearden was over there and Mike Townsend. And, uh, and then we also had uh, a band from, from your neck of the woods, from Alberta. We had the, the, the Red Deer Royals uh, and right. they were all being judged under that same system. It is a fascinating system. And I think one of the real benefits for um, many parts of the world uh, that don't don't have a lot of money in the, the marching arts is that it, it's a tree judge system for the most part. Uh, I know that changes for world championships, but but for regional events, um, that makes such a that seems like such a small difference a difference to maybe some of the big BOA and American and DCI style events. But when you only have to pay for tree judges to be there and and look after expenses compared to eight. I mean, that's the difference between an event happening or not happening or, or multiple yeah. events happening or maybe just one event happening because of budgets. Um, it, yeah. There seems to be a lot of work and effort has gone into developing that that system, that one world system for Wamsby. Absolutely. And and Wamsby has always been set up as an organization to be, you know, charitable in its in its time um, and in its breadth, I guess. And, and we do. We want to connect with as many bands as we can from all around the world. We have... Bands in, in literally every continent um, connected with Wamsby, and and it's not about the flash and the and the and the money and all that sort of stuff. And it's not a business. You know, we we work on donations. We work on um, it's it's an organization that's run completely by volunteers. And um, when we travel and and go work as a judge or something like that, you know, we try and do it on the on the the cheapest way we can for the organizer and. Um, you know, we a world championships are big events, and and often there's a lot of um, more support for those events um, from governments and local um, uh, corporations and things like that. So we are able to kind of roll out the red carpet for those bands and for those people. But um, at the smaller events, they can be very regional and they can be very uh, inexpensive to run, but still give that same feedback and that idea to those those groups and and let them know that they're part of something that's going on right around the world not just in their local community so it's a pretty special thing and and uh, i urge people to check it out because it's 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 not in competition with anything else there, there's no yeah, right. um you know it's not us or them that sort of thing it's it's not a political organization it's 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 one that really is is forged on the on the premise and we've managed to keep it about just promoting marching band and we just think it's a great activity for people to be involved in uh, it doesn't have to be just youth it can be adult bands it can be really anything any instrumentation any size any shape like i said so it's 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 a pretty neat organization to be involved in and as a judge you get to see all these different things and and uh, i i get to travel the world and see bands that i never normally see over here in north america so it's it's fantastic and to your point about it not being in competition with everything else, I mean, I can firsthand say that I've seen that in action, uh, both in Rashida, where it was, where bands were being judged by both DCE and by Wamsby judges uh, for the for a single performance. Uh, and then here in Ireland, when we had our event and we had Soundsport, and uh, we, which was DCE judges or EDCJA judges, right. uh, and and Wamsby judges judging the same performance then as well, and it gives more feedback. It gives a slight slightly different perspective uh so i think absolutely for any event organizers for any band directors out there that are you know interested in finding out more about this but might be worried that they're affiliated with with another association there's no reason that you can't also check out Wamsby and see whether there's maybe a future and a possibility to be involved there too absolutely you you nailed it right right on the head that's is exactly right and it's 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 so refreshing in a way <laughs> because uh, right. so often we go in other you know and there's I mean it is ultimately competition and competitive in spirit but the 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 uh, 
the idea behind it is 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 so pure that that it's it's just so different and um i just love it i i've gotten to meet so incredible people and we're still working on projects there's a lot of legacy projects that happen in those places that we um have visited you know um i know in thailand we're working really hard on getting drum lines going and in uh in schools that don't have music programs and there's a lot of just really worthwhile activities that are happening in between all those competitions too. Um, you know, Keith is such a generous person. He's always organized, uh, you know, things like instruments and and uh, uniforms going down to South America to, to help get bands on their feet. I know Mike Townsend has done the same. And and there's just we're we're great at connecting those dots. And uh, we we would love to hear and and work with with as many bands as we can just to help promote this activity because it is special and and you know, right now it's exceptionally challenging, but it's at the same time, it just gives us something to really look forward to in the future. Again, just to reinforce your point, um, yes, since my time involved at Wamsby, uh, my own band here in Banislow was able to benefit from a uniform that Keith Burden was able to source for for us from from Texas, uh, and a, and a band that I work closely with and have done some teaching with in Uganda has benefited from some instruments that were that were found uh, and were, were available too. So it is it's a great network to be involved in. Everyone in there is there for the right reasons. You're the international communications officer for the executive council. That is an interesting position to be in right now at the moment through this um through this pandemic and as we come out the other end hopefully of this pandemic in 2022 mm-hmm. do you do you see all of these new tools like we've talked about zoom being this really positive uh the really positive tool that we can use do you see that maybe Wamsby might be able to sort of move into a new uh networked future do you see possibilities for the, in the future for Wamsby Hundred percent, Keith. Yeah, that's exactly right. This this technology has really started to unite us and given us the opportunity to meet more often and hear more of what's happening around the world and what the needs are. And and that's exactly what I do. I, I connect the dots. And um, you know, uh, just like you said, you've you've benefited, and some of the groups that you work with have benefited. That's that's all we. I mean, that's all these tools are meant to do is connect people, and that's that's exactly what um, we love to do. Um, obviously we'd love to have the competitions as well, but right now this is what we're here to help however we can. And that's what people need. So that's what we're going to do. One of the most exciting parts of any journey is the anticipation of the adventure to come. Planning your route, investigating the attractions and researching the local culture. But sometimes as music educators, it's easy to get swept up in the mountain of work it takes to bring your students on that next band trip. And that joy and anticipation can be lost, or worse, can turn into dread. With over 28 years of experience, Kaleidoscope Adventures has a world-class team of travel and performance experts ready to make this process not just easy, but exciting, leaving you and your students to continue doing what you do best and looking forward to an experience of a lifetime. When you're ready to travel beyond expectations, contact Kaleidoscope Adventures at mykatrip.com So let's talk a little bit about band in uh, Calgary because Calgary is sort of synonymous with with great band I mean the Calgary Stampede show band people are probably familiar with that and they're they're a Wamsby staple uh, world champions many times Um, but they're they're actually a community band. I know many people probably see Calgary Stampede and see the size of it and don't think of it as being a community band, but it, but it is, and its foundations Ooh. are very similar to many other community bands in that in that respect. Uh, but you're actually a music educator full time, working with with a, fi- a fine arts program. Tell me a little bit about what band looks like in uh, Alberta, in Canada generally. Is it is it as much part of the school system as it would be in the US, or is it more similar maybe to a European model? I'd say it's somewhere in the middle, right? Um, We have, we do have programs, you know, in my particular district in in Calgary, um, we do have music programs in every single school and and how they're administered is a little bit different in every school, that sort of thing. My school is really unique. Bishop Carroll is, uh, is a self-directed school. So we, we, we have a, we're a a program that the students choose what they do when they do uh, all day, every day. We don't have timetables and bells. We don't have desks for and rows for students to sit in. It's a very progressive school, even though we're celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. Um, our model of education is based on self-direction. So we are there as 
as coaches and mentors to our students. Um, and, and the instruction generally happens one-on-one -on -one with students. Now, for, for music, um, we have a great deal of one-on-one of -on -one instruction with every one of our students gets private lessons, for instance. But um, I also schedule, of course, I schedule ensemble times for our groups to meet. Um, and we have a really successful, you know, large program with, um, with bands and choirs and orchestras in both classical and jazz and rock um, things. So we have, you know, my school is not considered too big. It's about uh, a thousand students. And we have, you know, I don't know, 350 of those students are involved in the music program. So we have a third of our school who are musicians, and uh, it's pretty unique. But in Calgary, band is very popular. I think the community bands like the show band, um, the Stampede show band and the Stetson show band and the Roundup band, those are the kind of the, 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 uh, the three levels of the groups from age, um, have really made uh, band uh, a popular thing within the schools. And we're very lucky that we do have great support for it here in, in, in many ways. Um, uh, but with that, I mean, comes a lot of, a lot of other things too, because we're, we want to keep continue to grow and, and, and continue to, to make things as, as good as we can. Um, but I think it was very, very healthy here in this part of, of Canada. Um, and, and I, I know it's well known across, across the nation as a, as a good place to be in terms of uh, music education. And we're proud of that. And we're going to keep doing that. And, and as we do that, we know we, we, we see the need. And once again, an, another organization I'm involved with is, the, is called CADME, and it's the Calgary Association for the Development of Music Education. And we've given away over a million dollars to local wow. music education initiatives to, to keep them going, to get them started, and to support them. So, so we have, once again, we have an incredible group of people who are, are volunteers who come together to try and make things as good as we can. We find those donations. We get um, uh, the donations that we get. We get straight to uh, the, the programs. So there's no administration fees and all these things. It's 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 a very volunteer based, um, very much in the spirit of Wamsby in, in many ways. Um, and uh, and we've managed to make some really fantastic things and see some really fantastic things happen. So um, the the support does generally come from the community um, more so than it would from um, the government in that sort of sense, but we do have music programs as as a very traditional part of of pretty much every school here. So um, so we are lucky in that in that regard. And are the music programs extracurricular? Are, are they or they uh, do the students receive credit for them, or is there exams at the end? Yeah, for them. Yeah, students receive credit for them in the high school level, and um, I mean they're they're part of the program in the in the in what we call the junior high or middle school level um as well um but yeah they are part of they can uh, become a part of graduation and they can what we uh, matriculate with those courses and move use some of those courses to to go on into university programs of of whatever um uh genre of, of, of study you want to do but um yeah absolutely it's it's part of the program it's it's optional uh, it isn't required for everyone obviously so um, but it is it is a very popular choice um, for students to, to get involved in. It's very interesting to hear you say that the the Stetsons and the Roundup and the the uh, show band have actually uh, really increased the popularity of the music programs in the school. It, it almost seems like the opposite of what you might see in other parts of the world, where maybe you have a foundational uh, program uh, in schools across, and then it feeds into the community. But actually, in in Calgary, it's it's it seems to have been the opposite way. And and for many parts of the world that are struggling to maybe uh, develop music education within their schools, I think Calgary might be a good uh, reference to say, well, maybe maybe fund and develop our community bands that exist all over the world and that might trickle down into our schools and inspire our school programs to do a little bit more um it's just it's fascinating to to, to hear that and would that have always been the case when when robert eckland was kind of uh, there starting up the, the the bands in in calgary uh, would there have been any sort of school programs at that stage where was there he getting was his musicians from yeah, there were school programs, um, without question. Um, it's been a, a long-standing tradition here for some school programs. We did. We used to have school orchestras, and now not so much. My, I, uh, one of my goals in, when I joined my my school um, was to kind of reinstate the orchestra program within the schools, and we've done that now. And there's now a number of schools with orchestras in their programs, which is really exciting to see. 
Um, so I, I think it can come from either way. But, you know, one of the things I remember uh, when I was involved with the show band and back in the day when, um, when I was uh, working with them, um, I remember one of the things that we, we instilled was you had to be a part of your school program in order to be a part of the community program. And that's, that was what made the difference. Um, um, the students then were getting the instruction at school and they were joining their schools. And these were strong students who really loved the activity and were doing it uh, a lot more than um, their peers uh, because they were involved in the, in the marching bands. And uh, in Canada, we don't have the marching band culture that they, they have in the United States. Um, and, you know, with, uh, with it being winter most, <laughs> you know, solid eight months of the year here, it's, it's really challenging to run a marching program, which is why, you know, uh, groups like the Chauvin and Stetsons and Roundup are so miraculous in many ways, because um, we just don't have the weather that supports marching band uh, like they do in other parts of the world. But uh, it's truly through just the, the, the passion of the, the, the people who are running it and the belief that this is a great activity, that those things have just thrived. And, um, and I think you're right to say that they've really affected the programs in the schools in a very positive way. But I remember the time where that wasn't the case and, um, uh, and that we, we came up with that rule. Um, and since then, it's been very, very positive. Yeah. Now that we're coming through um, to, this, to this new part of the, you know, 2022, hopefully will be a, a new start for us in our band programs. You have obviously started a lot of new programs. You're involved in a lot of different things. And I'm sure plenty of band directors out there have found themselves being involved in a few more things than they were previously. And now we're returning to their old life of work and, and band rehearsals too. How do you plan uh, to to strike that balance between uh, work and personal life? Is it something that you struggle with? I know, I know it's certainly something that I struggle with, and this is why I asked the question. Oh, uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's tough to, to manage those things. Have you got a plan for 2022? You know, um, for me, it, the, these, a lot of these other things I'm doing outside of my, my teaching are, are passion projects, right? And so they feed me. They don't take away. So it's, it's, a, it's a real honor to work with these people. I, when I get on, you know, um, onto a, uh, a Pathways uh, Zoom call or, a, or a, the new SLAM Association, and I'm in the room with these incredible people. I mean, it's just so thrilling to just be invited and to be um, in, in the room where, where those people are and, and building those relationships. And that really is a big part of your personal life as well. Obviously, um, I think, you know, uh, unplugging from that is important to do from, from time to time. And, and this last couple of weeks is a great example of that. And all of us, like I know for you, um, performing is one of those things that we love to do that refills our buckets. And I certainly have that too with, uh, with my singing group that I have sung with for the last 28 years. Um, we just have a blast performing and, and doing that. And so the, the busy times for that group are generally the non-busy times for my my band and my music education time. So, um, you know, it's the balance I find isn't so much in, like you said, personal and work. I, it's really challenging to, that's a pretty blurry line right. for me. And, and, uh, um, because they, they feed uh, for any musician, it feeds us and it's a lifelong endeavor and it's not the sort of thing. I don't really look at it like work. It's, I'm really one of these lucky people that gets to do what I love and I am I'm, I'm really impassioned to do. And, and therefore I, it's just, it's all part of who I am. And um, I just think when you're in that position, you're lucky enough to be in that position. And it's, I don't, I don't see the line so much, though I, I run up to it every so often, trust me, um, <laughs> as we all do. But, um, and there are certainly some things that uh, when things, when the, you know, the waves align and it becomes a really uh, steep, uh, steep curve that you just kind of have to work through um, and wait it out. Um, that happens to me a little more now maybe than it did before. And, and so I'm just trying to ride those waves a bit, bit better now. That, um, that blurred line though, can be, can be, as you say, it can be part of the problem sometimes as well. It's like, you know, it's the, the, someone that became an accountant, uh, doesn't necessarily finish their day's work and go uh, and go home and for fun, does more accounting now look then we may have accountants listening to this and maybe that's what they do for fun i don't know (laughs) but for the most part let's say you know musicians they live for their they live for their passion and so that can become a very gray gray area i know like our colleagues in the us and you 
probably be in a similar position to many of them in terms of this is your this is your day-to-day job and you're also involved in these other projects but then you've also got people uh you know european band directors for instance that that may not be doing this full time and then just filling up all of that free time with 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 with, with as much music as and band as possible uh, yeah i find keith I, I sorry to interrupt i i i find too that it, the purpose behind it i guess is is a really important thing too because for me, it's about the difference it's making and the significance you can make to other people's lives through it. And that to me is really fulfilling. And that's part of the, you know, it's part of the reason I'm here on the planet is to just try and make life better for others and, and to, to show people um, joy and, and to, to make them enjoy their, you know, their time, their laugh and, 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 and just make them the best people they can be. So that's part of why I'm a teacher, of course. That's a huge part of why I'm a teacher. But but beyond that, all these projects that I do outside of teaching, um, they're making a difference in the world that is um, really fulfilling to me. And that's why I'm so excited about them. And that's, you know, they fill my bucket. They don't take it away. Um, when I get to travel around the world to judge a Wamsby competition or help set up a Wamsby, it's, it's so thrilling and it's exciting. Plus, I'm learning a whole lot while I go and I'm growing. So uh, it's just such a win-win situation. Um, and you meet other people that are like-minded and all of a sudden these things start to kind of come together and, and great things can really start to happen, you know, as, as we've seen with, with the pathways uh, program with Tim and Scott or, or the upbeat global with Matthew now, or with, with, uh, uh the slam, uh, organization that, that we just started. It's just, it's super exciting to see where this is going to go and, and what, uh, what we're going to be able to do to help, help people, uh, be the best they can be and and ultimately be you know fantastic educators for their students so it's it's exciting you know i think your point about uh remembering to to perform if you can if you're still a, you know if you're still performing in any way that for me i i, I just I, I i very much like that 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 point that you made for me remembering to perform from time to time is really important because um you know the day-to-day music making that i do is is by email and by uh you know, like meetings and Zoom meetings and uh, taking minutes. And, and so so music making can become very sort of arduous that way. So taking up an instrument and actually performing from time to time, I, you know, it, it brings you back down to to what it is that you're, you're, you're actually doing. And I think that's a Absolutely. really important point. Absolutely. And, and I was just going to say, and it's one of the unique features of arts, teachers in the arts, right? Uh, especially music musicians and music teachers. Um, you don't see a lot of science teachers who are scientists in their off time or or English teachers or literature teachers who are writing books in their off time. I'm sure there are some. But um, generally speaking, uh, as as education goes, it's the music teachers, it's the dramatic, dramatic arts teachers, it's the visual art teachers who are still practicing their craft. And that's, I think, really what sets us apart. And it's 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 a very important thing to 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 note because it is quite different um, from all those other people, like you had mentioned with, uh, the accountants or whatever the job they, they tended to, to do. Very few of them, um, are practicing that craft outside of that. And, and that's, I think a really special, important thing to note. So thanks for saying that. That's, I, I hundred percent agree. I will never stop performing as long as I can. And, uh, um, that ultimately keeps us connected to the whole reason why we do this. So, uh, for me, it's a fantastic thing of whether it's singing or playing, uh, for me, I, I get to do both luckily, but, um, yeah, and getting involved in your community in that way is so so fantastic too. So you've mentioned uh, an, a number of times uh, the Servant Leadership Association for Music, or, or as you've said, SLAM. Uh, it's a it's a great uh, great great name for it. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. It looks really exciting, and I'm just reading some of the names that are that are involved in this. And there's there's going to be uh, more information coming up about it very soon. Can you tell me a little bit more about what yeah. this is? Well, here's one of those situations where I look around, you know, I got to be in a room with these people to kind of brainstorm this um, down in, in South Carolina. And and I was just looking around, there, how did I get here, right? You, you just wonder, like, how how is it that I'm getting to work with and meet with these fantastic people? And you read those names, and they're, they're all the greatest names of, of, of just of music education in, in America. Um, and... And yeah, I was just lucky enough to be, you know, uh, involved in that um, founding of this. But basically, it's uh, it was inspired by Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser and his work. I mean, he's been working for over 50 years um, developing student leadership and servant-based leadership, um, which ultimately means, um, 
you know, to, to, to try and lead, to, to inspire others and to help people get to where they need to go. Um, you're not leading for a title or for a sense of, uh, accomplishment or money or any of those things. You're, you're, you're really just doing whatever you can to, uh, to connect with uh, those people and get them up the mountain as it were. And um, so being in the room with, with Tim, Tim and Scott put together a, a program called the pathway to success a couple years ago. It's one I incorporate in my own teaching with my students. It's fantastic. It really is a, it really develops the person, the personal side of the student um, and of the teacher. If you're going through it as a teacher, and the idea behind SLAM is to take all these wonderful programs that exist in the world around developing the personal side of, of people uh, to become servant leaders and putting it under one umbrella so that we can uh, ultimately um, inspire and help engage educators to be the best they can be and, and to, to encourage them to, to work on that side of things. Because um, we truly believe that when you do that, the 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 music making becomes extraordinary um, when those when those students have those sorts of connections and relationships, and you're putting those sorts of people into the world when you get to educate them, and you're putting out really conscientious servant based people. Um, amazing things will happen, and so it is very exciting. We're re, uh, we're launching the this at the TMEA, the Texas Music Educators uh, Conference, in February, and um, as you can see, the people involved in this are. We're all people that roll up our sleeves and get it done. We're not just people who are going to philosophize around, wouldn't this be great? But this is, these are all people that are going to make this work. Um, they're master educators. They're masterful community builders. They're masterful leaders in their own right. And um, we're going to be doing some really exciting things uh, that, that are just, I, I just, I'm thrilled to just, like I said, to be, a little part of that is really thrilling and to, to be able to bring a Canadian and international perspective to it um, is also great. But I know there's going to be some really wonderful resources for people. There's going to be a, a really great, um, I know we're planning to do like a little conference to try and get people uh, engaged and trained in some of these things. We're developing our own curriculum of, of how to teach this sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes uh, so that when we launch in February, there's going to be some exciting things to tell people. But um, it's, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, when you're headed by Dr. Tim Lotzenheiser and Scott right. Rush, um, I, it, there's no, I mean, just that is uh, worth uh, being there, but then you have, you go down the list and it's just incredible. The people that are involved with this and who, who want to carry this uh, kind of legacy of, of Tim forward and, and, and try and get it um, organized in such a way that it can become a real important and significant uh, part of, of music education and, and, and teaching teachers, um, um, you know, ultimately then benefiting all those students. So, uh, we really see it as a worldwide thing. We think it's topical and not only topical, but really right now it's just, it's needed right now. We we've seen how much the pandemic has, has caused strife for people, um, uh, not being able to do their normal activities and band being one of them. Um, and how important it is to invest in the person. Um, so it's the perfect time for this as well. Um, you know, you have Matthew Rao with his his fantastic book he just put out, Upbeat. Um, it's over you there have it the there. It's over there in the bookshelf. It's, I was looking to see if I had it at, at hand. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's on the committee and bringing his experience and his research and his work uh, to this committee. And I've gotten to work with him a bit um, because of this committee and we've, we've become fast friends and we're doing some pretty exciting things as well that are outside of, of that. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. And, and, and I've, I'm seeing so many positive connections and so many, so much energy coming from this that uh, I think everyone is going to feel it. Um, and I really encourage people to check it out once, uh, once we're up and running here, cause it's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. So let me ask you a little bit about leadership within music education, because you have been around the world and you've seen bands of all shapes and sizes uh, and all ages uh, too. Uh, and, and sometimes bands that may not have the resources or the time uh, find themselves uh, just rushing from rehearsal to rehearsal, trying to just get through repertoire for the next performance. Uh, and the idea of leadership gets lost. Now, the reality of leadership doesn't. There's always going to be leaders that find themselves um, in, in that position. But... 
um, many community bands, and I'm going to use uh, some of the bands that I've been involved in, in here here in Ireland as an example, uh, are multi-age. And so a lot of the time you find the committee ends up becoming the leaders and uh, it doesn't give much room for the teenagers or the young adults to find themselves in positions of leadership like that. Can you tell me and tell anyone that's listening, what is the importance of teaching leadership at in our bands and at a student level too and allowing people to find that? And, and why does it lead to a better music program and better performances? Okay, well, <laughs> that could be a topic for a whole <laughs> podcast yourself. But let's let's just start with this. Most, I, I run into this the same uh, as what you just said. I run into it as well. We We see leadership sometimes we see leadership as just putting people in positions of maybe perceived power that ultimately are just really good followers um, they're not actual leaders they're just really good at following the director's <laughs> commands and uh, in instituting them and making them happen and that's not leadership that's that's being really good followership you know um, leadership uh, is really when you are searching for what's needed at the time and you're willing to fill that gap. It's, it's doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done without anyone being asked, right? And, um, and the, the incredible thing about this, and those, those people who are on that committee um, all have world-class programs. And I think what, what we've kind of figured out and what we're trying to share with people is that if you make time for this in your rehearsal and you make time, you take time from from what you're normally doing, uh, many teachers who don't understand this yet will say, I can't, I have to prepare for this concert. We have to do this. Um, we don't have time to do this sort of stuff. You, the time you invest in this pays back so, so many times over um, in the musicianship making and in the music making and in the also in the logistical aspects of, of your program. You know, I have such incredible students doing work that I don't have to do um, because they're seeing it, it needs to be done. You know, they're the ones setting up the, the space for the rehearsal and tearing down things after they're done. And they're the ones who are, uh, you know, organizing and, and ensuring everyone has their music. And they're the ones making sure, you know, taking the attendance and following up with some, some people uh, if they're not there. And, and they're the ones connecting and saying, are you okay? And um, all these sorts of things that band directors, as we know, wear about a thousand hats. And um, if you can give some of those hats to... Um, to others, not only do they invest more into to the program and and they're more committed to it, but they develop more of a relationship with their peers and their colleagues, and that's what leads to the music making being more special. Um, when that student sitting across, and it doesn't matter if they're 12 years old or if they're 80 years old, I teach an adult band and we do the same thing in our adult band um, as I do with my school band, because when they know each other better, they are more willing to take those artistic and emotional risks and those intellectual risks when they're making the music. And um, they feel more safe. They still feel more confident. They, they, they're being more themselves. They're accepted for who they are. They're not just, you know, filling a, a, a spot. They're not just clarinet 42. Um, they're not, you know, just seventh chair or whatever. Um, all these titles, um, they don't make a leader. What, what truly makes the leader that that person who's, who's willing to, to just do what needs to be done and, and do the work um, without being told to do it. And, and that's ultimately you know, what servant leadership leads us towards. And if you have an ensemble that is, is heavily invested in servant leadership, um, the boat, you, you know, they, they say, if you raise the tide, all boats float um, higher. And, and that's ultimately what happens. It allows your weakest members to be uh, so much better, and it allows your very finest members to be really a lot better too. And um, it just—it's such a, an important thing, and and I think that's why I'm so excited about Slam and Pathway and all these things that I'm involved with. It has to do with um, more the leadership side, where we're talking about the social emotional um, side of music making, um, which is a big thing here in North America. I'm, I'm not sure if it's in Europe a big. Thing happening right now in education but there's a real big um, notice and push towards the social emotional learning of students not just the curricular learning of students and that's exactly what this addresses and it's it's uh it's scaffolded in such a way that you can do it when they're eight years old and they can continue to do it all the way well into adulthood and and beyond many of the lessons um i you know we still work on every day as adults um that we teach in those in those uh, ideas back in, in grade school or in middle school or high school. So it's 
I just think I'm really excited because it seems like more people are catching on that this is important. And, and we all know that's going to increase the uh, music making and that's going to make the music making even better. So we're super excited because we already know what the end is. Uh, we've seen it uh, time and time again work. And once it gets involved and you develop that culture of excellence and that servant leadership is embedded in your program, Oh, it just flies. And it's and it flies for decades. It doesn't just fly for one year. It's not a ooh, we had a great year this year and to play, you know, you know, we just nailed Molly on the shore. It's not about that. It's about it's about the fact that you can do that year after year after year and the and the students and the members are committed and they're invested and they get so much more out of it and they have a lifelong connection now with your program and ultimately with you as their educator. So it's it's a wonderful uh thing and and it's important. So I'm excited to talk about, as you can see, I, it's, it's, it's something that is maybe been missing in, in, the, uh, you know, in, in terms of how a lot of people achieve their musical excellence. There are other ways. We all know. We can hammer it into students um, over and over again. Uh, we've all grown up through those what we now call old school <laughs> directors. Um, maybe we're a little more enlightened now. I'm not sure. But I would like to say that... Um, the skills are a lot more transferable too um, than uh, you know mastering your 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 fingerings on your on your bass clarinet is great, but it's tough to move that across into whatever you're going to do next if it's not going to be music. So these skills fully transferable, and these people are going to end up leading our our nations and our companies. And if they do that, and they're going to have that connection with music, guess what kind of support music's going to get from those people it's going to, it's going to be important for them. And uh, it's going to make all of our jobs so much easier in terms of, of getting that support. So uh, it's just a huge circle that's literally going to spiral here and, and going to help us, uh, help us all. And I think you can see when you see groups, uh, some of the top drum corps, some of the top BOA bands, some of the top Wamsby bands, uh, and you look at their models, they're all using, uh, a sense of leadership and and maybe it's developed within the culture of their own band and maybe there's nothing uh there's nothing structured that has gone into that but um that sense of leadership exists in all of these top ensembles and so i'm really excited to find out more about this and and just for anyone that is interested in finding out more um they'll be able to find out more at slamleadership.org is that right yeah that's the website we've started and and like I said, it'll be launched in February. There'll be a lot more there after February happens. We're just in the process of hiring an executive director. So we actually have the funding to have a, a person working um, uh, every day uh, at making all this happen. And those people are, are incredible people too. And I just think you're going to see a lot of energy and a lot of things come out of this group um, that are going to spread. And my part, part of what I hope to do is make it spread a lot farther than than just the United States. You know, I want to make it spread into Canada and to Europe. And that's part of the, maybe part of the reason how I can help uh, get it kind of out there because I think we need this more than ever um, around the world. And, and, uh, and I just, I just, I'm super excited to get it going. So well, well these are exactly great. the sort of programs that uh, I love to, to talk about here in the global band room, which is all about trying to uh, promote international opportunities and international networking just like that so um looking forward to finding out more and uh, as yeah. you have as you have more news we're looking forward to having you back on the show to to talk to you more about uh, about slam um before you go chris i want to find out a little bit more about you and the things that you enjoy and and we talked a little bit about this already about that that personal life and that you know your passions are in music i want to find out a little bit about your non-music uh, live too in our section called Off the Rostrum. So let me start with my first question of the day, which let's let's start with a simple one. What's your New Year's resolution for 2022? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's not such a simple one, but <laughs> um, you know, I I just I want to be more present and more um, mindful, I guess, and just be just I really want to continue to try and practice what I preach in terms of. Um, the idea of of I get to, not I have to, and so um, I'm I'm really uh, I'm looking forward to, to to seeing what that does because what I've noticed uh, since I started saying that and since I've started asking my students to say that is we get a lot more opportunities and um, and I just I can't wait to see all the different things we, we're going to be able to get to do this year 
um, around this. But in terms of resolution, it's just always focusing on I get to, not that I have to. What was your first job? My first job was um, as a student. It was actually my very first job was helping up a family friend in their in their restaurant, and um, they were really really busy, and uh, and I. I just stepped in to try and help, and then they ended up hiring me, and so I ended up being like a, uh, a, a kind of a, a bus boy or a, a, you know someone to kind of help um, in this really small, beautiful French restaurant here in Calgary, and and uh, um, yeah, that was my very first job. Nice. Um, do you collect anything? I do. I collect. Uh, I'm a big car guy. Yeah. And so I have uh, I have a number of uh, models that I collect. Um, of, of of the great cars that that's uh, that I uh, I love and enjoy and and uh, you know I'm not in a position where I could collect the actual cars so uh, <laughs> no I Jay Leno collections at the moment sadly no though I'd love to visit <laughs> if he's watching um, I I uh, yeah I'm a big car guy so if I collect anything it's that yeah what's the most unusual thing that you've ever eaten well I've gotten to go to Asia a number of times. Um, and so I've gotten to eat a lot of very unique things um, there. I, unusual. I mean, certainly you have your snake and your, um, you know, the insects that you can sometimes find and get, mm -hmm. and the crazy seafood that sometimes uh, you get. So I don't. It's interesting that, um, yeah, probably probably along those lines would be the most interesting. Probably the insects would be the most interesting thing. Yeah. And what what is your favorite vacation that you've ever gone on? Vacation now, you can't talk about all these different international trips that you've done for work. <laughs> yeah, I um, I probably you know, our family, my family loves camping, and so we get out to uh, Canada. Of course, we're very lucky. Where Calgary is in particularly fantastic in terms of geography, we have the mountains right next to us, and uh, it's just some of the most beautiful places in the world are literally uh, an hour or two drive from here um, and so we love to camp and get out uh, outside and in the trees and in the mountains and and uh, go camping so that's probably our most favorite vacation um, when it's not like you said an internet I love traveling I just I'm so I, in love with learning about other cultures and, and meeting people new people and seeing how they live um, and so I love those things too. And when my family can join me on those, those are really special as well. Like, um, right. So we, we really hope to. Uh, never been to Ireland though, interestingly, but no. it's on the list for it's, sure. And, and one day on I know list. I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. So I love traveling of all, but my favorite's probably, yeah, camping. Well, Chris, it's been great getting to know you more and knowing more about all the projects and programs that you're involved in. Um, there will be links to all of these in the show notes, but where can people find out a little bit more about you if they if they want to get in contact? Uh, probably their local police service would know about me. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. They, uh, you know what? I, I don't um, have like a website for myself or anything like that. I, I'm really lucky. I'm a, I, I'm a person who loves to... Uh, like you'll see the links that I've provided. I'm involved in a lot of things and, and the things that I shared with you aren't, it's not nearly all of them, but um, you know, I love to be in the room and try and help however I can. Um, so if there's something that people out there think I can help with, let me know and get, get in touch with me um, through any of those sites that are listed there. They all have uh, links to, to connect with me, um, certainly, certainly through my school. Um, that sort of way. So I would love to meet anyone and, and talk to anyone more about any of those things that we're doing or something new. It'd be, it'd be great. Well, Chris, Happy New Year uh, and best of luck with all of these projects and best, best of luck with um, SLAM as it goes forward uh, in 2022. Thank you so much, Keith. And, and to you. And please uh, hope everyone stays safe and, uh, and, uh, and make some beautiful music this year. And, and like you said, I think we're all looking forward to, to what, uh, what is next. So I hope to, to see you at, at one of those things. Thanks, Chris. All right, take care. Thank you so much again for joining me and my guests in the band room this week. I'll be back next episode talking to more great guests from around the band world. So head over to wherever you get your podcasts from and make sure you subscribe. If you've enjoyed the episode, maybe even leave us a review and share it with your band buddies. 
In the meantime, you can stay up to date with me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom and on our website, globalbandroom.com. Until next time, I'll see you back in the bandroom.